Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil of Detail. Paul, uh, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, certainly I'm Rob. Yeah, looking forward to the show. There's plenty to uh, to get our teeth into, so uh, yeah, looking forward to getting cracking. Yeah. So what we'll do, we'll start with football and uh, we'll go with Manchester United. They were away at Newcastle and lost 2-0. Newcastle looking to push into a Champions League spot after a good win. Yeah, certainly. Well, the two sides met in the League Cup final not so long ago and I thought United were the, were the, were the much better side in that game and I expected uh, a United victory at the weekend, to be honest with you, and, uh, and Newcastle have come up with the goods, haven't they, and, and, and pushed themselves into third place now. And it's, it's really hotting up, isn't it, at the top of the Premier League? You know, you've got the title race between City and Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal are obviously a long way in front, but the, the race for the top four is, is very, very tight. And this was a big, big game for Manchester United. And uh, unfortunately for, uh, for for us in this region, the Newcastle got the better of them. Yeah, Obviously, Newcastle, backed by billions of pounds from new owners. Um, how much of a difference that makes for the club? Well, I think it's made a massive difference. I think it's made a big difference for, for this season. It doesn't always make a difference straight away because it does take time for you to to turn things round and uh, for, for players to bed in and you know players to buy into the philosophy that the coaching staff and the manager wants. But I think slowly but surely, Newcastle, are, 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 they've not gone out and, and made wholesale changes straight away, sort of about 10 players at once. They have sort of added, haven't they, in each window. And they've got quite a strong squad there now. And, um, you know, they've got a decent manager as well who knows his stuff. And they seem to play in a nice brand of football, don't they? So, you know, the, the third place, aren't they, above United on, on goal difference? So it's still very tight, and I think there's still about 10 or 11 games to go. So there's an awful lot of football yet to be played. Um, so if you, you're a United supporter, I won't be too downhearted yet. But, you know, Newcastle are now a real contender. Yeah. Manchester United currently in fourth place. Tottenham play Everton on Monday night. Tottenham win there would see Man United drop to fifth uh, and out of the Champions League qualifying spots. Um, should we be worried? Um, I think the well, Tottenham will have played twenty nine games. So United have two games in hand and have So mm. no, I don't. I think that I think Manchester United's destiny is in their own hands. Um, they, they, they're well in front of the sort of Brighton's, Brentford, and, and Liverpool, aren't they? So there's only really Tottenham there who are who are challenging two games in hand on Tottenham. So if you, if Manchester United had to win the home games and, and do the business, you know it's a lot to catch up for for Tottenham. So uh, and you can see Newcastle slipping up as well. So I, I'm still quietly confident that Manchester United have got enough in the tank and enough in their armour to to get the goals needed. I mean they've got a midweek game this week. Is it Brentford they play this week? Yeah, midweek. On Tuesday, so you would expect Manchester United to come out all guns blazing and, and, and win that game, but it won't be easy. You know, Brentford. Are, I think Brentford are six or seven in the table. Like they've been good on the travels this season, so that's a big game for United to turn things round. Now you can't afford to drop points in that game and and you know draw the game. They need to go out there and and, and, and put a marker down really now and get themselves back into that in that hunt. Yeah, no win since the cup. Final win in February. Should that be a worry for Ten Hag's men? Have they peaked too soon? Yeah, possibly. It, it will be a worry for, for Ten Hag. You know, uh, it's coming towards the business end of the season now, but you've still got an awful lot of games to play. Um, obviously, they've got the FA Cup as well, which is a which is probably a, a distraction, but it's a good distraction because it's a big big cup competition. But um, and, and Europe as well. Don't forget. 
But uh, no, I, I, I don't think they've peaked too soon. I think you probably have a bit of a drop off. Um, they've got a lot to concentrate on. You know, firing on on three fronts there, looking for three trophies, but uh, well, two trophies in the, in the Champions League qualification. So it's tough, and it's going to be a test on the squad. But I, I still think they're going to be good enough. I, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say that the top four is probably going to finish: Arsenal, City, Newcastle, and Manchester United. The, the four that are there now, maybe in a different order, but I think I think Manchester United will get in the top four. Yeah, very ex- obviously exciting times for the Premier League. There's so many competitive teams in it, all vying for that Champions League spot as well as the relegation. Obviously, half the divisions still go down. That's right. Yeah, the relegation is it, the picture changes every single week, doesn't it? There's there's another story that happens, and you've only got to look at, at the mid table. I mean, teams like Liverpool. How unpredictable are Liverpool? You know, they beat Manchester United seven 0 I don't think they've won a game since then in the in the Premiership. I think they've lost all the, the matches they play. They lost in Europe as well. Uh, if you look at the table, I think anybody up to sort of there's an eight point gap. I think there are nine point gap between Chelsea and, and Crystal Palace, but anybody up to Palace is still. He's still not safe. You know, Everton have got 26. Palace have got 30. So, four points. And, and like I said before, there's still 10 games left or, or more more than that for some clubs. So, at least 10 left. So, uh, there's there's loads of football to be played. And you, you'd be hard-pressed to pick the three teams that are to go down. So uh, And obviously, picking the European teams as well. So, I don't remember a premiership as... As sort of competitive as this, you know, at this sort of end of the season is normally you've got sides that are cut adrift at the bottom, and you know, um, but this season you can't say that. I think everybody's got something to play for. Yeah, big breaking news of the weekend was Chelsea's head coach Graham Potter was sacked after a 2 0 home defeat by Aston Villa. He's been in charge for seven months. Uh, obviously, Chelsea have uh, recently been taken over by a new American owner. So it is a bit of a... Obviously, spent a lot of money, spent over, was it, £100 million in the last transfer window uh, and not delivered. No, and he came from, from Brighton, didn't he, where he'd done such a good job. And I think he's lasted just a bit longer there than uh, than Brian Clough did at Leeds United. I think he's, what was his, 41 days? <laughs> but seven months is it's not a long time, is it, to, to get to grips with a club? But I think you probably knew that when he took the job on. I think when he took that job on, you go to a club like Chelsea, one of the elite clubs in the country. You can't afford to to have you know a poor a poor run there, can you? You've got to hit the ground running and get results. It's a results based business, so uh, I'm surprised really. I thought he'd do a good job there, but you know it doesn't always work out, does it? It doesn't mean to say he's a poor manager. Perhaps he's just not had the players on side or got the squad that he wants. I'm not too sure at Chelsea. You, know, you look at these clubs, they've probably got a massive squad of players there, but have they got the right attitude? And sometimes it doesn't work, does it? So uh, so perhaps he, I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere else because he's obviously a very talented manager. Yeah. Chelsea still have Real Madrid in the Champions League in midweek. You think it was the right decision to sack him before that? Um, it's a strange one, that, because... You know, when's it a good time to sack somebody? I mean, it's going to be difficult for a new person coming in. I presume it's going to be a caretaker you know, for this game. It does seem a strange one because at the end of the day now, Chelsea, you look at the league table, they're not going to get relegated. They've got, as I said before, they've got 38 points, which is eight points in front of Palace who are 12. So they're 12 points above the relegation. So there's no way those relegation teams are going to make up 12 points on them. They're probably not going to get into Europe. So they're going to be around about mid-table, aren't they? Maybe getting a... Europa League spot, you know, at best, really. So, 
he seems a bit of a, a strange decision. I mean, probably be best to get rid of him at the end of the season, you know, evaluate then and, you know, see what goes on then. Because what's a new manager going to be able to do now in this, you know, the remainder of the season? It just seems a, a strange decision. But as we, we spoke before, it is results-based business and these, these clubs are ruthless, aren't they? And they'll make the decisions. And it seems a shame because he left Brighton and, and Brighton are sort of six in the table, aren't they? Doing really, really well. So I think in hindsight, he probably would have been best off staying there. Yeah. Let's move on to Manchester City. They beat Liverpool 4-1 at the Etihad Stadium. Great result for Pep Guardiola's men. Obviously, we talked about Liverpool struggling uh, at the moment, uh, but it is emphatic. Yes. Uh, well, at the start of the game, I think sort of the opening stage, anyway, Liverpool put City under a lot of pressure, didn't they? They took the lead as well. And, and um, you know, they were, they were caught out there, Manchester City, but... They, they came back, you know, all guns blazing there and, and got the equaliser and they never looked back, really. After that, they, uh, they put Liverpool to the sword and, you know, Liverpool have been very, very, very disappointing this season. They've been really, really up, up and down, haven't they? You never know what Liverpool's going to turn up. I think on the day, they're capable of beating anybody in the league, aren't they? But City needed that result. They needed to keep the pressure on Arsenal. Arsenal won as well, so, you know, there's still a, still a gap there. But I think... City now cannot afford to make any mistakes whatsoever because you've got what an eight-point gap. I know they've got a game in hand, but you know that gap can't go any more than eight points because if it does, I think it's good night in Vienna as far as the league goes. Yep, no Harland either. He was out injured, still managed to score four goals. Shows the quality Man City having that squad. Yeah, I think when Manchester City are on form, the. the they can score goals from anywhere, can't they? And um, you know, I, I had that match on the radio. I was listening to it on the radio on my way out from uh, where I was out on Saturday, and, and um, it just sounded like every time City had the ball, it, it, they seemed possible of, of scoring. You know, there's that many chances, that much creativity, and that midfield. So, so yeah, I think for them, it's you know, defence is a big thing now going forward into this running. You know, they need to keep the clean sheets and um, and, and can't afford to. To slip up, just they've just got to keep getting three points every week now, and hope Arsenal can drop some points. Yeah, obviously, you know Man, Man City, uh, Jack Grealish. You know what a player he is. Inspirational on on Saturday. Um, since the World Cup, he's been brilliant and uh, certainly fitting well into this City team. That's right. I've heard some supporters questioning the price tag and how much Manchester City paid for him. But you know, listening to the commentary of that game on on Saturday, you know, I think the commentator even said it. You know, he, he's worth the money because you know, look at the way he's playing today. He, he sort of uh, grab, grabbed that game by the the bootlaces, if you like, and, and sort of took the game to Liverpool and was one of the, the the sort of talisman of the match and you know the catalyst that got Manchester City over the line really and got the comeback you know from 1-0 down and, and they never looked back and they, they, they blew Liverpool away in that second half really and you know that was down to you know not just Grealish but I think he was one of the uh, the mainstays of the side and, and, and one of the players that really did, uh, did do the business Yeah City are eight points off Arsenal they've got a game in hand Paul but do you still think they've got enough to catch them? Yeah, I think so. Well, there's ten. They've got ten games left. I think played thirty-eight games, so they've got mm. ten matches left. Arsenal's got nine left, so you've got eight points. Yeah, I think so because I can see Arsenal dropping points. Um, I say that they've only they've not dropped many this season. They've drawn three and lost three, so they've not dropped many. But Manchester City are right behind them, aren't they? Um, and I, I bow to your knowledge now, Rob. Do they have to play each other again? Oh, I knew you'd ask me that. <laughs> I can find out. <laughs> no, I think they've. I think they played them already. I think they played them twice in quick succession, didn't twice, they? they yeah. um, but I will check now. Just keeps. Do what? Obviously, talking about sort of city. Um, they're 
like you say, going on all fronts, aren't they, with Pep Guardiola, um, looking for that Champions League as the one he's not uh, managed to win yet. Do you think that will affect their league position? Um, well, they've got the squad, haven't they? I mean, they've got Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals, which is going to be a tough game, isn't it, over two legs? Um, I'm just looking at the, the, the fixtures in the league. Southampton and Leicester are the next two two matches. They've got the FA Cup as well. They do play Arsenal again, Rob, in the Premier League. Yeah. They play them on the 26th April. of April on Wednesday night. So uh, that could be a real pivotal game. But looking at the other games in and around the, the next month or so, the month of April, they play Fulham away, uh, Leicester at home, and Southampton at home. So, uh, so Southampton away. So you've got three matches there where you'd expect nine points from. But at this stage of the season, when you're playing Champions League, you're playing FA Cup... It's difficult, you know, midweek games away from home. You know, you've got to be switched on, haven't you? Because you drop two points, you don't draw in the game, they're out of the title race. So there's no margin for error now. But if they can go into that Arsenal game, you know, and cut that lead, and they've got that game in hand as well, they could be going into that match to sort of tie things up. So it's all on for that game, but they can't afford to make any mistakes leading up to that match, really. Yeah, so for City, we're in action this uh, week, uh, This week, last Friday. Uh, they played Stockport County away from home and drew one all. Callum Heady with the equaliser for Salford City, a special effort as well. Takes them up to sixth in the league in a playoff spot. Obviously, competing with lots of teams around them uh, will be a real tough task to get promoted this season. Yeah, I think so. It's hotting up, isn't it, that, that race... Uh... For the uh, promotion, you've got Orion, uh, who are still top out there, quite away in front. I think it's Carlisle uh, in the playoffs, Stockport, Bradford, and Salford. So, you know, there's I think five points, five or six points behind Stephen and you are in the mm. uh, in the, the automatic playoff uh, promotion places. Sorry. So, with about six or seven games left, it's going to be difficult to turn. You know that you know five points round. It's two wins, isn't it? So it's not impossible. But uh, you're relying on the other sides around you to drop points as well. So I think Salford at the moment, probably a playoff place is, is on the cards. But they're just going to keep pushing because that's going to be tough as well. Because that, that game at Stockport was a real difficult one, wasn't it? Stockport have been real good form, big crowd behind them as well at Edgeley Park. So I think Salford did well to, to get um, a result there, get a draw from that game. But the pressure's on. You've got sides just behind them as well waiting to pounce. But they've got a little cushion at the moment. So they're just going to keep going. But it's going to be a really exciting end to the season. Some big names up there. That's Bradford and Stockport, Carlisle United. They're uh, Swindon Town. They're up there as well, aren't they? And, you know, uh, one or two others. So it's it's going to be a really exciting end to League Two. It's been an, an excellent uh, division that this season. Yeah, they've got five home games left uh, in the season. How important is it that they have the Peninsula rocking uh, in them games with obviously points up for grabs? Yeah, definitely. You've got to win your own games, haven't you? You know, uh, it's, it's vital you, you take points from them. Um, I'm not sure what else they've got in the running, but you know they're just going to keep picking up points and, and and just see where it takes them. Because as I said, you can't afford to 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 make error because there's always sides that come up. You know, on a run, you've got Mansfield the two points behind them. They're in decent form at the moment. Barrow and Sutton United. I think there's a massive gap then to Swindon. About, they're about twelve points behind Salford. So you've probably got three sides behind them in eighth, ninth, and tenth place. Who are, who are challenging now? You've got a slight outside chance if Salford make a mistake. So you've got pressure on. They're breathing down your neck, and games are coming thick and fast. You're playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. And it's it is tough, isn't it? And you don't forget as well in that league uh, too. You, you're travelling away from home as well to some you know faraway places. Aren't you? It's not like games around the corner, aren't right? they? are up and down the country. So uh, so it's going to be um, you know breakneck speed the next few weeks for Salford. But that's what they want. That's what it's all about. You know promotion. 
it's a tough, tough league to get out of League Two, but you know, fingers crossed they can uh, they can get out this season. Yeah, Salford play Leighton Orient United, like you say, play um, Brentford and Everton at home this uh, this week, and South uh, City away at Southampton. So all tough uh, games for our local sides. Yeah, as I said, Leighton Orient top of the shopping league too, aren't they? That's a massive game for Salford. If they can nick some points out of that game, you know that, that automatic place is still on. Um, there's a five-point gap, but that can soon go. That can soon go over a, over a, over a week when you've got two games. So, so yeah, they've just got to attack each game as it comes now. And it's an old cliche, Rob, but at this stage of the season, every point matters. Yeah. So that's all the football chat. Now we've got an interview that James Sweetnam did with Afi Law about how she helped launch the New York Jets and girl uh, flag American football. Enjoy. Thank you for joining me. It's deeply appreciated. We know that NFL flag is growing all across this world, especially with young girls. But before we go on to that, could you tell me a little bit about what your role is and what you do on a day-by-day basis? Sure. So I head up our youth community and grassroots department at the NFL. So a big part of my role here is helping um, to grow the sport across the UK, helping to offer young people opportunities to play NFL flag and and growing our programs here. So we have a a huge schools program, which is aimed at um, both male and female participants getting to try the sport, getting to engage with the sport and and kind of learn from involvement in in playing NFL flag. Um, But we now also have a huge focus on our our girls' inclusion and helping to kind of um, close that gap in participation between male and female athletes. I think a fantastic thing about flag football in particular, we've got so many sports that have been long embedded into the UK culture, whether it be football, boxing, cricket, and they're seen stereotypically as men's sports. But with NFL flag coming in, it's so new, there isn't any preconceived ideas, and it's allowing girls to flourish in a sport that they love playing. Absolutely. It really is. I think, you know, with it being a brand new sport, it allows female athletes and and young girls and women to engage in the sport in a whole different way. You know, there's a a number of different skill sets that's required to to play the sport, which means it makes it really inclusive that, you know, girls can find that thing that they're good at and engage in the sport in that way, which is, is really exciting, you know, and I think the uniqueness of NFL flag and, and what that can offer um, just really helps kind of young people off the field as well as on the field, you know, that they um, they can they can find a safe space where they can, you know, work and meet and make friends with other girls. And um, it's just a positive environment for them them to be part of. Absolutely. And the main thing to talk about today, I mean, this, the sport is growing so much in general. Henry told me the other week about all the charity initiatives that are running through Manchester and Birmingham and London. But more recently, the New York Jets and the Chicago Bears have announced an exciting new all-girls flag league. And could you break that down for me and how important an initiative this is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a really exciting initiative for us. So it's the first ever girls flag football school league that we've ever had in the UK. And I think that just speaks volumes about the interest that there is here in the UK and the need also for for different sports and for different ways for girls to engage. So, you know, the Jets and Bears are are huge with girls' participation over in the States. They have um, many different um many different programs with female athletes engaging and they're very supportive of female inclusion. So for them to be able to come to the UK, offer their kind of um, knowledge and skill set around female inclusion and be able to bring something that's meaningful for girls to participate is is really special um, and you know it's something that 
those teams are really committed to. They really want to make a difference and help girls participate in NFL flag. So it's really exciting to be offering that opportunity. And, you know, we saw the launch um, last week of the program. You know, all the schools involved were really excited and the girls were really engaged. So I think it just shows, you know, what a bright future this sport has for females in the UK. Absolutely. I know it's broke down into two conferences, six teams playing in each. And then at the end of this whole thing, they're going to meet in a massive championship event. Exactly. Yeah. The girls are going to have time to play in their own leagues, um, you know, get used to the game, enjoy playing against each other. And then there's going to be that championship for to find the winner from the Jets and the Bears. So very exciting. A nice kind of element of competition at the end of kind of what's going to be a really fun and, and engaging couple of weeks for the girls. And most importantly, they're going to be tutored by exceptional NFL flag coaches who have vast experience in, in developing players. And it's going to give these girls a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, it really will. You know, even our coaches are excited to be part of this program and to help uh, to help launch this girls flag initiative and what they can bring to this and, and the kind of coaching and guidance that they can give the girls is going to help them have you know an amazing time and, and develop uh, within the game as well. I mean, looking at the statistics, in Illinois and in New York, we've seen monumental growth in the sport. And while it's still growing over here in the UK, do you think over the coming decades we're going to see it reach the sort of levels that it is reaching in New York and in Illinois? Yeah, I think, you know, girls' participation in the US isn't that far ahead of us. It's it's definitely something in recent years that um, has been pushed over in the States to get that kind of female inclusion and offer girls the opportunity to play. So I think, you know, we've seen huge uptakes in the US and now things are starting to move in the UK and the rest of the world. And we see that girls are equally as interested so I think, you know, a couple of years down the line, there's there's no reason why the participation we see in the US that we won't be catching up to that here in the UK as well. And with women at the forefront of sports right now, we're seeing it growing in the UFC, in football or soccer, as they call it in the States, with the US women's team doing so well. The sport's evolving at a rapid rate over here. And I know that you had a massive event for International Women's Day. So could you talk me through that? Yes, we did. Um, and that, that was the launch of our, um, Jets and Bears League. Uh, and it was, you know, really special to use a day like International Women's Day where we're highlighting, um, you know, not just women's inclusion in sport, but, uh, many different factors. But for us to use that to kind of, have a celebration of, of females participating in the game and to use it as a celebration for the girls that are going to take part in this league. Um, you know, it was a, a really great kickoff event for the girls to get an insight into the sport, try the sport. Um, we had a discussion panel with a number of different kind of um, female and, and male athletes from, from the Jets and the Bears as well, talking about, you know, the opportunities and flag. And I think that really inspired the girls to, to you know, want to take part in the sport and want to, um, you know, do do the best they can to in, engage in sport and enjoy it as much as as they can. So, yeah, that was a, a really exciting launch for us. And and like I said, the girls got to try the sport. They got a taster of what's to come, and I think it just helped build um, that excitement for for the um, for the upcoming league as well. So, um, yeah, it was was an absolutely fantastic launch, and and Jets and the Bears. Um, you know, really put on a great experience for the participants ahead of the programme. Talking about those panellists and the people who were there to highlight what an amazing initiative is, were there any in particular whose stories you stood out and thought they did a fantastic job of promoting this? Yeah, you know, I think all the panellists were, were really, you know, interesting and had really fantastic stories 
to tell you know we had a fairly even split of, of male and female athletes on the panel and I think you saw from the females that we had that you know they've been really successful in their sport in their own ways that you know either through um through coaching through playing uh, or just as advocates for the sport and I think you know there was not one person across the panel that didn't have an inspiring story to tell and I think one of the things that was great about that is that everyone in that audience all the girls in that audience had someone that they could relate to on that panel and someone that they could look up to and um you know hopefully that inspired them to to believe they can do whatever they want in sport so um it was it was you know really special for those girls that you know you can see a variety of people that have been successful and that advocate for women's sport I think you've hit the nail on the head there where you see that these young girls from such a young age are seeing what the sport can do for people. I mean, you, for example, right now, from a working perspective, you're out in Tampa, I think you said before we start this interview. So it's done amazing for you. So how proud are you of how far the sport's come and your involvement in it? Uh, it's fantastic to see how how far the sport's come. Um, you know, I got involved 13 years ago when there really wasn't any women's league here in the UK. And to see how it's grown and to see that drive on female participation and to see how many girls are now playing and these new initiatives that are coming in that are going to change the future of the sport for women is just so exciting. And, you know, seeing that years ago, the opportunities that were on offer for me were very minimal in the sport, but in the next couple of years, those opportunities are growing and growing and women can really have amazing opportunities in with careers in this sport and you know we now see just a few years ago that um women can get scholarships to play flag in the us now so there's a real you know opportunity for them um to get an education and and to grow within the sport and find a career in in a sport that they love playing so you know i can't i can't speak more highly of how special that it is to to be able to see girls get these opportunities now I completely agree. It's an amazing story with everything that's going on. And I can't wait to see how this league goes with the New York Jets and with the Chicago Bears. But I've been absolutely privileged to talk to you today, Afia. It's been fantastic from my side. I'm sure it'll enlighten young girls from around the world. But before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to add that I perhaps haven't asked you about? I think, you know, I would just add that, you know, any girls that, that might see this or are listening to this or, or women that want to get involved in sport, even if you know, they've missed opportunities in the past, like it's never too late to get involved. And I think, you know, this sport now, it, it's growing for for all age groups of women. And if you have the chance to give it a go, whether it's for a bit of fun and to stay fit and to spend time with your friends or, or whether you want to take it to a more competitive level, I definitely think, you know, give it a go, just pick up a football, have some fun and, and you know, see if you enjoy it, because I think there's a real opportunity here for for women to get involved on a number of different levels. So that was James Sweetnam talking about launching the New York Jets and girls flag uh, football in America, uh, Paul. And obviously, you know, it's, it's really difficult in it to, to help create uh, any kind of club and, and also run it. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, especially this day and age where you've got so many more distractions and and things going on. There's an awful lot of stuff happening in the world, isn't there? And you know, it's difficult to uh, create things and get things started, get things off the ground. Mm. So let's move on to boxing now. And Anthony Jocks Joshua, uh, a winning return for him. Uh, Unionized points decision. Talk us through it. Yeah, it was. It uh, it wasn't the explosive finish that. People expected from Anthony Joshua, you know, he'd not want to fight for 
over two years now, and um, you know, Jermaine Franklin was probably a fight. He was well, it was a ten to one outsider to win the fight. So you expected Anthony Joshua to win it, which he did. He unanimous decision, but again, <clears throat> it was marred by tempers flaring after the uh, after the bell. You know, two fighters squaring up to each other in the the ring, and the security had to get involved. And you know, perhaps Anthony Joshua should have shown a bit more of that aggression in the twelve rounds of boxing as he did at the end of the fight because. During the fight, I mean, he's very durable. Was frankly very game, very tough, and um, Anthony Joshua couldn't break him down. And yeah, he won unanimously on points. But heavyweight boxing is all about the, the finish and the knockout, and especially when you're a guy like Anthony Joshua, who's been a demolition man. Um, he's he's sort of been yesterday's man really recently, you know, with defeats and whatever. And he was after a big statement to get himself back up there with the the you know the top heavyweights really and get himself a, a top notch fight. So. I don't know whether this fight has done him any good at all, really. He's, he's laboured to victory and, you know, where's his next his next fight going to come to? I'm not so sure. I mean, one or two boxers have questioned it, whether he's whether he's done, whether he's finished, whether he wants it anymore. I mean, Dylan White's been quoted as saying that this weekend. So, would he would he want another fight with Anthony Joshua? I'm sure he'd jump at the chance, Dylan White, if he got one. But, but no, I, think, I don't think he's quite finished yet. He's won the fight and I, I'm pretty sure he'll be going on to... To bigger and better things now, but I'm not so sure whether he'll he'll get the uh, the win over one of the top uh, heavyweights because I don't think he's I don't think he's good enough. Mm. Two judges uh, called it 117, 111, and one called it 118, 111. Two Joshua, obviously convincing on the cards, but you don't sound like convincing on the ring. No, I expected him to come when I saw him on the scales. He was back up to his sort of 18, 18 and a half, 18 stone or whatever. Um, when he fought Usyk, he was down about 16. So he, he'd gone from being this this machine, this beast, to to someone who who dropped an awful lot of weight off his frame and, and probably tried to box Usyk, where Anthony Joshua, he can't really outbox somebody like that because he's not got the speed, he's not got that movement. He couldn't outbox Tyson Fury, so he's not that sort of boxer. Um Joshua is a demolition man. He's a big man, and, and he puts people away with his knockout power. <clears throat> so when I saw he put the, the 18 stone on, I thought, well, we're getting back to the, those, the, the days of when he first came along, and I thought that's what we was going to see, whereas we didn't. I think I think you've got to give credit to his opponent. I think, frankly, all that, he lost the fight unanimously. As I said, he was a game opponent, and he, he didn't give anything away. So he got in there, and he made it as tough as he could for, for Anthony Joshua. So there was no way... I mean, I don't know what the, the money was on Franklin. But did he get a bonus for not getting knocked out? I'm not so sure, but perhaps he did. And, um, yeah, there was no way he was going to get knocked out because he wouldn't. He wasn't having it. So, uh, But when you're a fighter like Joshua and you're an elite fighter, you've got to find a way to knock somebody out. You've got to find a way to beat somebody, and, and he couldn't find that. So um, it's a win. A win's a win, and it's a confidence boost for him, and he's got to learn from that now, and get back in the gym, and then get his game plan right for his next opponent. Yeah, he is now he's won now won twenty five fights, twenty two with a stoppage, and lost three since turning professional in two thousand and thirteen. Where do you think he rates among the boxing British greats? Um, he's, he's been a good fighter. He's been a, been a world champion, hasn't he? Um, I think his his sort of legacy has been a bit tarnished by by the defeats that he's had. Um, I don't think he's done himself any favors in the press with certain things that he said. But he's been a good fighter. There's no doubt about that. And he's been an entertaining fighter. But I think his legacy now sort of hinders on on where he goes next. I mean, he's not, he's not for um, Tyson Fury. You know, the, the fight that people wanted to see for for a long, long time. So. 
I think if you want to be remembered, you've got to go in those big, massive fights, haven't you? Um, you know, he's not fought Wilder. So he's not fought some of the, the, the elite fighters in the world in, in, in heavyweight boxing. So I think if he does want to go down as one of the best, he needs to challenge himself against those fighters and see what he comes up with. He's, like you said, he's 33 year old now, so he's not getting any younger. So you're looking now at the next few years. If he carries on, he's got to get these big fights signed up. And as we know, when we talk to James about boxing, it's not that easy sometimes. There's, there's always something in the way, promoters and things like that. But Anthony Joshua needs those big fights now. Which fight do you think's most likely to happen? Uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder or Dylan White? Out of those three, mm -hmm. I'd say Dylan White would probably be the one that will happen. You, 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 Tyson Fury is probably the hardest person in the world to make a fight with. I mean, you could offer him all sorts of money, but there always seems to be some sort of stumbling block, doesn't there, with him? Uh, they've been trying to get the Usyk fight sorted for ages, but I don't know if Fury always seems that he wants to fight anybody, but it always seems they're difficult to tie him down. Um, Deontay Wilder is one of those where I don't think Deontay Wilder will fight outside the US. Um, he'll only stay there, won't he? So... It, the, the obvious, the easy one to be made would be Dylan White because Dylan White's a game opponent. He, he'd probably love to have another crack at Anthony Joshua, and I don't think Anthony Joshua could turn him down. So that would probably be the fight that is more, most likely. The one I'd like to see is is Fury and, and Joshua. No doubt about that. I mean, you've got two fighters there, two totally different fighters, two totally different styles. But I think that fight captures the public's imagination, doesn't it? Because it's two big names, two big men. And um, I, I have my own thoughts on how that fight would go, but I'd like to see it happen. Yeah, he's already fought Dylan White twice. He fought him at amateur level and lost in 2009 and then beat him um, in the seventh, foul, the seventh round stoppage, which was obviously 1-1, one, one, lost one. So he's got another, obviously another one to get a trilogy out of that. Yeah, well, the professional, I didn't see the amateur fight between the two of them, but the professional fight between the two of them was a cracker. It really was. And that was when Anthony Joshua was, was coming up and coming, really. And, and, and as I called him before, a demolition man he was. He was demolishing everybody who put in front of him, really. And fighters were like rabbits in the headlights when he fought them. And, uh, you know, Dylan White gave him a good account of himself that night. He rocked Anthony Joshua a couple of times. It was a cracking fight that Anthony got the result in the seventh round, as you said. So I think that would be entertaining if those two got it on again. There's no doubt about that. Um, I don't know how much many miles uh, Dylan White's got left in the tank, but uh, same with, with Joshua, the two different men now at you know, the later end of the career. But I think that's probably the, the obvious fight and probably the easiest one that can be made logistically with the promoters and things like that. So I'll have to watch this space. Yeah, going to be super exciting. So that's all the boxing chat. Now I'm going to talk rugby league and we'll start with Salford Devils. They were at home to Huddersfield and lost 16 points to 26. Talk us through it, Paul. Uh, frustrating game, Robert. I thought Huddersfield came and did a job on, on Salford. It was a tight game early doors. Both sides not giving much away. Um, you know, defences on top. And it was Salford who made a mistake, really, passing the ball in front of their own line. Ashton Goulding picked up on that. And then Huddersfield kept chipping away, got a lead. Salford got back into the game. But Huddersfield always seemed to have us at arm's length, really. They, they seemed more powerful than us going forward. I think their pack got on top of ours. And they probably just had... The, the more bodies, really, a bit, a bit like the Wigan game. We, we sort of ran out of numbers. Um, you only really had Tyler Dupree. For me, was the only forward who was making any sort of impression and the only forward who looked like breaking a tackle for Salford. So I think our our pack needs to, to start performing. Otherwise, we're not going to get the result in the next game because that's what it's all about. I mean, if your pack doesn't get on top, 
you, you, your backs can't play off that. And it was a frustrating game. It was a flat atmosphere. We played three home games against Hull KR, Wakefield and, and Huddersfield. And it's been three poor performances for me. We've performed better away from home. So a disappointing day, but Huddersfield are a well-drilled side and they deserve the win. Yeah, we have interviews with um, Paul Rowley, Shane Wright, Sam Stone, Callum Watkins and Matty Costello. And this is what they had to say. Real arm today, Paul, in defeat. Yeah, it was a, it was like I say, it was a tussle for pretty much most of the game. So uh, we've got no dramas there. It's, it's, it's like I say, it's a, it's a sign of our progression that probably we wouldn't have been comfortable in that arm wrestle. And uh, we know that Huddersfield build the game on on uh, on field position and, and and being good statistically. Uh, and I, th- I thought we'd challenge that today ourselves. So to do that, you have to bend your back and be prepared to work hard. So uh, I don't think we lacked character. Yeah, at any point. Territory is a, a problem, obviously, getting out of when you against the people just feel Well, like I said, I don't think today was uh, we was camped in our own twenty for long periods of time. Uh, I think they shaded it. Uh, I think every game they've won up to today was they've had over fifty six percent possession. Uh, I think today they're on fifty two, which is probably the lowest possession they've had. So to 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 create that stat, then you've got to be willing to bend your back, and, and we and we were prepared to do that. So, like I said before, I thought we challenged them in every area. Yeah, good to get Ben Halliwell back and Andrew Dixon in. Obviously, players coming back must be must be good here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and again. You know, a bit like a bit like we spoke about there with Danny Bennett, Benny Ellie. Well, he got short minutes, uh, but you know that's that's the way it's got to be. Ideally, he'd have got two, three games out on loan or dual. But uh, I, th- I thought he came in and give and did what Ben does. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's a character who, who just gives everything to the cause and uh, never lets anybody down. So really pleasing for him and really pleasing for Dicko as well too. Like we said before, get his second debut. It was good for him. Any any injuries? Anyone due back next time? Just budget, so no, uh, not sure if anyone's back for next week as of yet. So as it stands, no. Uh, but again, our medical staff's working really hard to. I'm pushing them uh, every every day really to uh, to to try and create some magic for us. Brilliant. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Right, Paul only joins me. Um, I've just done listening to you speak to Trevor there. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> how, how do you go on with that today? I mean, it was tough, wasn't it? I mean, you're missing quite a lot of bodies at the moment. Quite a lot of people are out missing. You're doing it tough at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, the, the lads put a shift in, I thought. It was a good arm wrestle. It was a good game. Um, I thought both teams played well. Um, and, and, you know, it was, a, it was a real good arm wrestle. So, uh, um, unfortunately, we didn't come out on the right side of it. But uh, we weren't far off. No, one or two mistakes, particularly the try in the first half, Ashton Goulding scored, one or, one or two mistakes there, but other than that, how do you, you know, go about the game? And I thought Matty Costello came in and did well, didn't he, again, scored another good try? He did, uh, I thought it was, uh, you, you said one or two mistakes, but we were at uh, mid-90s, going towards like 10-15 minutes left of the game, so that's really high completion, you know, they, they were down, we challenged them on, uh, statistically, which is important, against Huddersfield, we build a game around that, um, so... That was overall with with the ball and defensively quite a disciplined performance but uh, we just switched off at a couple of moments like i said the, the error in the first half allowed them to pick up the scraps and score a really soft try uh, and they got a soft try there at the at the end in the in the corner what should have been cleaned up so uh, yeah uh, but again 
Uh, Matty gives you what he gives. He tries hard. Um, he, he's not a winger. He, 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 he went on the wing for, for Budgie, obviously, losing Budgie. Stoney to centre, Dicko to back row. So people out of position, uh, in contrast, they bring two on for, for Price, you know. So yeah. that's probably a stark reminder of the two. Um, the two clubs' resources and ability to, uh, you know, have, have, uh, you know, a, a full and wholesome squad of uh, quality, quality players. I've just seen one or two of the players coming out, like, like uh, Gerard coming out and Andy Ackers, and I've just been admiring them, asking them when they're coming back. So yeah, I've got a few missing. Joel Burgess went off. What can you tell us? What Joel went off with? Because I wasn't too sure. I think it was an ab injury. Uh, mus- it was muscular. It wasn't. Uh, so yeah, he was, he was just struggling to move. Um, so yeah, we, we we kept him out there as long as we could, but. Uh, he succumbed to that two minutes just before half time he, he couldn't move so we had to get him off it's been a tough couple of weeks for him yeah. battle last week at Wigan wasn't it a real yeah. brutal game there a brutal game against a big Huddersfield side you must be pleased with the way the, the players are playing though because it was, it was tough out there wasn't mm. it yeah I can't, I, I can't complain about the character of them uh, at all I think uh, I think they're working really hard and uh, with again with limited resource and, and, and you your, your training is is, uh, is limited in terms of what you can do there with with the lack of numbers. So uh, I can't ask any more of them at all. I think uh, you know, we, we, but we'll we'll continue to to work harder uh, because you know we've got our expectations of ourselves. Have you got any bodies coming back next week for Easter? Not that I know of. Are you glad it's only one game at Easter? Um, I'm not fussed. Like I said before, I think you've you've, you've got the gist of where, how we how we go about our business now. We just roll with the punches. So if we if we're worried about what we've not got too often, then uh, you know we'll we'll have a we'll have a mental breakdown. So we just worry about uh, what's next, who we've got, and just crack on. Lee away. Have you seen any improvements in, in Lee? They, they seem to have been playing really well recently, don't they? I know they were beating against Wigan in the, in the week, but they, they seem to have improved since you met them on the opening day of the season. Well, I thought they were good on the opening day. Um, I, I, I thought I'd, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, rec- necessarily say they've improved. You know, they lost by you know, 36 points was it at the weekend against Wigan. So uh, I thought they were good on day one, and I still think they're good. So uh, nothing's changed there. Going to Lee's always a tough prospect, um, and and ultimately. You know, there's a lot made about them finding their feet in Super League, but they're a team full of Super League and NRL international, so I don't, I don't buy into that uh, at all. They're, uh, you know, they're a very, very good team and, uh, and a well-coached team, so with some star quality, um, and and you know, and confident as well. So uh, that you know, that's, that's a bit of a, a dangerous combination for us, and one we'll have to be, uh, we'll have to be ready for. Good looking training this week, Paul. I'll see <laughs> you next Saturday, buddy. Thank you. So I'm joined by uh, Callum Oxen. With Callum Oxen, defeat today. How do you feel? Obviously disappointed. Um, full credit to Huddersfield. I thought they played really well. I, you know they they really based their game on doing the simple stuff right, and uh, I thought they they handled the the conditions and the, they were disciplined in what they did. Uh, I think for us, we're in the grind, we're in the battle, uh, which is the positive. I think it, it, we made positive. Uh, Steps, especially from last year, and uh, you know we're right in the game, but I think we we just got to manage the game a little bit better, and uh, you know if we can get on top of that, we can we can get on top of these results. What's it like in the arm wrestle? Obviously, it being a being a second row in the forwards, it's, it must be hard work. That it is it is hard work, but you know if we want to be competing for for trophies and silverware, you've got to be able to to deal with them situations. Um, I thought we did a lot at the time. We we're in the game. I think at times, especially when we had the ball, we should we should have been a lot better in terms of building a little bit more pressure on on Huddersfield, and uh, I thought they handled it pretty well, uh, Huddersfield at times in in D. But 
we just need to keep being patient and sniffing well uh, patient enough uh, in, that, in that second half especially what was the mood like in the changing room after sad gutted uh, a bit of a mixture a bit of a mixture I think we were the positive side of it was you know we were right in the game but obviously we don't want to lose mm. and um, you know we're really disappointed especially at home as well uh, you know, the fans got really right behind us so like they always do um, you know they deserve better so for us we, we We've got a pretty quick turnaround now, so we're going to play on Saturday against Lee, uh, which is another tough game for us. Um, we'll work on the things that we need to work on uh, and, and progress well, and uh, we'll look forward to next week. Brilliant. Cheers, Callum. Good luck. So we're joined by uh, Sam Stone. Defeat today. How would you feel? I oh, made obviously disappointed. Um, felt like we were in that game for most of it, and uh, you know should have probably come out with a win, but you know they played well. Credit to them. How was it? Was it like feeling in at centre in that second half? Uh, it's not my, uh, you know, my go-to position, but no, that's what I need to do for the team. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, obviously Lee next week, opportunity to bounce back. Yeah, yeah, you know they're they're going not too bad themselves, so it's definitely not going to be an easy game. And when you've got Lee at Lee, you know the fans come in in bunches, so um, you know excited for it, and you know good chance to quickly bounce back. How do you think your season's gone so far, personally, yeah. or? Um, I think I think I haven't played my best so far. You know, I'm still still trying to find my feet a little bit. But you know, coaches are coaches have helped me, and I, I think I think I can get back to some good form soon. What's Paul Rallack as a coach? Yeah, I'm enjoying him. You know, it's an expansive style, and I still need to learn a little bit about the way he plays. And um, you know, hopefully we can improve going forward. Yeah, and obviously the team, obviously to defeat today, but playing some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we're playing good footy in patches, so um, you know I think we're letting them off, letting teams off the hook a little bit and not finishing our sets great sometimes, and I think that kind of sums up probably the last two weeks. Brilliant, cheers and uh, good luck. So I'm joined by Shane Wright. Defeat today, how'd you feel? Uh, pretty frustrated, really, but um, I thought we were in it. It was a good arm wrestle. They just um, there's a few moments there where they just got over the top of us. So like I said, frustrating, but uh, we can build on it. Getting all the lines are positive though. Yeah, definitely. It's always good to score a try. So, um, nah, the, the halves did a good job for me, uh, putting me through some space there. What do you think your performance is so far this season? Um, good. Uh, I think it's been a lot more consistent for me personally this year. And I think that's just getting a year to adjust to the climate and how people play and all that. So I definitely feel a lot more comfortable out there. Yeah, Lee next week, opportunity to bounce back. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're going really well, uh, I think, as well. It's a similar uh, position to us, so it should be a big game, and um, we're excited for it. Brilliant. Cheers to talk to us. Thank Good you. luck. Right, delighted to see you. Matt Costello joins me. Tried to score a few weeks ago, and a spectacular try today. You're not known for being a winger, but finished that well. Uh, yeah, do, do a bit of work on finishing in the week. Um, didn't really have a clue what I was doing on the wing, to be honest, but uh, yeah, it was nice to sneak in and got the... How tough was it out there today? Just talking to Paul Rowe there, they're a very, very physical side. I was really came up short in that game. You had to work really hard though, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Uh, they were really physical. Um, we struggled a bit to handle it. Uh, Burgess went off injured very early. I know a lot of the boys carrying knocks, struggling. and Yeah, they were a really physical, good team today. You seem to be low on, low on numbers at the moment. Are you, yeah. you, like, personally, are you glad you're only playing one game at least? I think two games would probably take it out of this squad a bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, we're, we're a bit short. Everyone knows we've got a few injuries at the minute. Um, but everyone's rallying and, and we're trying. and we're, We've not come up too short today. Uh, and hopefully we'll build on that next week. And keep With Tim Lafayette still out injured, you, you possibly should be in the side again next week. You, hopefully you'll be in the centre rather than on the wing yeah. if you can get somebody back on the wing. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we got Reese Williams and see how Joe Burgess as well. Hopefully, I can stay that centre. That's where I'm used to playing and, and help the team get some wins. Yeah. Thanks for speaking to us, mate. Lovely. Thanks, Bob. Cheers, Bob. See you in a bit. So obviously all the players there, disappointing with the result, but looking to bounce back. Yeah, looking to bounce back against Lee, which will be a very, very, very tough game on Saturday, at least this Saturday. Lee, um, as, I, as I said, I thought they'd improve, Paul, or they didn't agree with me, but they've won three games since uh, the last <laughs> week, so I think they've improved. But they've played some good stuff, Lee, and they, as, as Paul says, they, they've got some good players. They've got a real big squad there, probably bigger than Salford's. They've got quite some some um, international players, experienced players to choose from and, and they're going to be fired up to play us on, on, on Saturday and I think for Salford as well, you know, we've got Andy Ackers missing, Alex Gerrard missing, Oliver Partington missing, Tim Lafay missing, maybe even Joe Burgess now unless he recovers this week so he's another all out of the team so we are struggling a bit for numbers now so um, it's going to be difficult, I mean, hopefully we can get, you know, if we can get somebody on loan, I think we're struggling in the pack I think some of the, the forwards need to work a bit harder. I mean, Tyler Dupree's doing massive minutes at the moment, but he just needs a bit of support in there for some of the other forwards. So, um, so yeah, you know, the back line is good, Rob. I think Ryan Briley works really well. I think this game at the weekend against Huddersfield, I think you've got to give Ian Watson and his coaching staff, you know, a lot of credit because I think they did a, did a number on Salford. I think he outcoached Paul Roller. Um, he got the game plan right. Every time Salford tried to do that move with Ryan Briley, they, they marshalled it really well. It's like they they, they studied Salford and, and and nullified our our threats really. And I think that that's credit to them. We've got to fix that up and and hopefully turn things around against Lee. Yeah, obviously we talk about the injury list uh, and Paul Rowley's inability to go out and buy replacements. Do you think that could be Salford's Achilles' heel going forward? Obviously we aren't too worried yet because obviously we've still got a long way the season to go. But we do need bodies back and quick. Yeah, well, we've lost Dan Sargent, haven't we? Dan Sargent's gone, so he is a player that, that, that's missing. There's a, a, a story going around that Ryan Lannan's leaving. I don't know how true that's going to matter to confirm yet, but that would be another player gone. Um, so, I don't know. We need players in. We don't want to be losing players, so um, we'll have to watch this space. Regarding players coming in, I mean, if we get somebody in alone, we're desperate for prop forwards, really. We need some grunt up front, because... You know, Tyler's working, you know, really hard there. Yeah, Jack Armand for me and King Vonnyai, we've not really been firing at the moment. Adam Sidlow didn't play at the weekend, so I don't know whether he's picked up a knock or, or he's injured. Uh, we're desperately missing Alex Gerrard. You know, we, we really miss him. He's a big man, Gerrard, and you know, takes a bit of stopping. Oliver Partington as well is a cracking forward. And Andy Ackers, you're missing Andy. I mean, Chris Atkin has done a tremendous job as he always does, but you are missing that that other hooker, so um so, yeah, we're behind the eight ball at the moment. We said that at the start of the season. That we've already got a small squad and, and it's been tested. It's been tested this early in the season. We had a real bruising game against Wigan and the game against Huddersfield was, was just as, as bruising as that one. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully we've not picked up any more injuries going into the week against Lee. Yeah. Obviously, Salford's tries were Callum Watkins, Matt Costello and Shane Wright. Obviously, for me, Paul, the fact that we struggle to get out of our... 40 metres is a bit of a problem. Teams know that. As soon as we get out, you know, we can be quite entertaining and quite attacking, but it's getting out of our defensive set. That's a big problem. Well, yeah. I mean, in the first half, we only really had one one attack and we scored. You know, when uh, Shane Wright went over, we didn't have any ball in the... Uh, the sort of Huddersfield 20 and it was the same in the second half when we did have possession we scored a couple of tries but 
for us, it's getting down there. Um, and our last tackle plays weren't the best. I mean, I'm not having to go at Mark's need because I think Mark's a quality player, but I think sometimes our kick, you know, just dollying the ball up to Will Price, it, it didn't really work. And then the same with Tuilala here. For me, test them a bit more, get the ball on the floor, get them turning around, get it in the end goal area, give them something to think about. Um, because when you're dollying the ball up to a full-back, we did it last week against against Wigan, they're coming straight back at you and they've made 20, 30 yards before you've got to them. So, I think we have to look at that really. Uh, we've got to make we've got to make ourselves difficult to beat. I think at the moment we we were easy to beat for Huddersfield. I don't, I don't think they really had to do much to, to beat us. They weren't flashy. Um, they did the tough stuff and, uh, and got the result. Yeah, four thousand seven hundred at the Salford City Stadium watching. Good crowd. Obviously, the club are doing great stuff in the community, in the Salford Red Devils Foundation, going to schools and other clubs, youth clubs, and trying to galvanise the support and it's very important obviously the people of Salford who are listening to this show uh, today get down to the Salford City, City Stadium as well as getting down to, to, to Swinton Lines as well and support Rugby League in the area because obviously Rugby League is a really good sport really family friendly and uh, it's really important that people get involved Yeah it's been difficult at the start of the season with the home games we've had we played all car at home on a a Friday night that game so it's tough for their supporters to come down then you play Wakefield and Huddersfield they were probably two of the, the lower supported sides having said that I thought Huddersfield brought a really healthy following on Sunday and they got behind the team as well so full credit to them I think our next couple of home games are Castleford and, and Catalan so we've not really played any of the sort of big local sides at home you know the likes of so I suppose Lee is one of them you know for us Warrington Wigan St Helen you know sides that have not got far to come uh, we've not played any of those at home yet where we could get the big bumper away following as well. So so I think 4,700 was very similar to the crowd we got against Wakefield, which is probably up on last season. So, you know, the crowds aren't going through the roof, but they're definitely improving slowly but surely, and that's a good sign. Yeah, Salford's Red Devils ladies were in action uh, in a friendly this weekend uh, and lost to Lee Leopards, 26 points to eight tries from Lauren Ellison and Brogan Evans weren't enough uh, for Chris Bates' ladies, but it is only pre-season, still going through the gears, ready for the big kickoff in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, that's right, that's right. We know in, in, in pre-season you've just got to get things right, haven't you? Get combinations right and what have you. So I'm sure they'll be looking good for when the season starts, but I think it's nice for them to get some games under the belt and, uh, and get that fitness up as well. Yeah, fixtures this week for uh, Salford and Swinton. Swinton are at home to witness. They weren't in action this week as it was, uh, I think it was Challenge Cup week, so they were out, weren't they, last uh, last round. But yeah. they faced witness, who were, uh, you know, a, a giant of rugby league, really, and it will be a big test for them. Yeah, witness beaten in the cup, though. They were beaten this weekend, just gone by Dewsbury, which was... Uh... I won't say it's a surprise result because Dewsbury have looked really good in League One. They look like they're going to storm that league. You know, they started the, the season unbeaten and they battered Widnes in the cup. So, so they're a side to watch out for. But Widnes will be tough. They've got some good players there, haven't they? So uh, that'll be a tough game for Swindon. Obviously, so many memories of, of Widnes. You know, the likes of Martin and Fire and, and you know, rugby league finals both against Australian teams and domestically they were a, a giant in the in the 80s they were yeah world champions in 1989 yeah it doesn't seem that long ago does it really when they beat Canberra Raiders at Old Trafford but yeah they had some great players in that side didn't they you know like Jonathan Davis and you know John Devereaux Darren Wright you know Phil McKenzie the Hume brothers they had some great players Kurt Sorensen so yeah it, it doesn't seem that long ago they were ruling the roost and winning championships and, and, and cups at Wembley so uh, so yeah I'm sure they'll 
will bounce back. They've still got an awful lot of rugby league, you know, in that town. An awful lot of players come through there as well. So, uh, so I'm sure Widnes will it won't be far off being uh, being up there in the championship. Yeah, it's a bit of a sad, sad state of affair. Obviously, where you see him now, and you, you see a rolled back for the likes of Widnes. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a road back for anybody, Rob. I think if you're an ambitious team and you, you've got a bit of money behind you on that, you know, anybody can, can do the business, can't they? I mean, it's been great to see Oldham in the news this week. They've uh, they've got Mike Ford involved there again. He was a legend as a player at Rugby League at Oldham. He's uh, he's back there now with a the consortium. They've got some money. They, they're going to be playing their games back at Boundary Park. So so they're on the up as well. And that's a real Rugby League town. So that's a good news story. So, yeah, I don't see why witness can't. The, the interest is still there within the town. Yeah, so with a minute to go, Salford are away against Lee on Easter Saturday. Um, obviously beat them earlier on in the season, um, so we have experience about getting there and getting a result. We have, but I think this will be a different kettle of fish, Rob. I think this will be a real, real tough game. This is Easter. You know, Lee have been playing pretty well in the home games. I know they were beaten by Wigan, but they showed some good signs in that game. Um, so I think it's going to be a different game for us. This is a big one. Big match for Solver. They need to turn things around in this game and get two points. 30 seconds to go. Only one game over Easter. Happy, not happy? Yeah, I, I love my rugby league, mate. I'd, I'd watch four games over Easter if I could. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's like what Paul Rowley said. It is what it is. You've just got to get on with it. But uh, but there's, there's plenty to go at. You know, when Salford aren't playing, there'll be other games to go and see if you're, uh, if you're a keen fan. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Obviously, I prefer to play two games in three days. That's what Easter's all about for me. But we've got to look after the players and their physical well-being. Um, but that's a conversation for another time. Big thanks for joining us on the Sport Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkinson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat on Salford City Radio.